ask Paul a question. And today I've chosen reading. Vanessa, from, gonna yes? go in. Uh, it's 1988. Yeah. Oh, I beg, I beg your pardon. I beg your pardon. Yes. Typo. That means anything, but hey. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I only have today, but. Okay, right. <laughs> Onwards and upwards, hopefully. And 28 years or whatever. Who's well, writing? And I, I got to sort of, uh, I'm going to have to ghostwrite my own history. Yeah. Put your date on your name, Paul, so we know to call on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All righty. Right. I've All right. Reading. It's just funny how that came about, you know. Paul Hedeman from Topeka, Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I didn't know that. All right. Thanks, Vanessa. Thanks, Paul. Right, here we go. From page 36 of the big book, more about alcoholism, the last paragraph. Thus started one more journey to the asylum for Jim. Here was the threat of commitment, the loss of family and position, to say nothing of that intense mental and physical suffering which drink always caused him. He had much knowledge about himself as an alcoholic, yet all reasons for not drinking were easily pushed aside in favour of the foolish idea that he could take whiskey if only he mixed it with milk. Whatever the precise definition of the word may be, we call this plain insanity. How can a, such a lack of proportion of the ability to think straight be called anything else? You may think this is an extreme case. To us, it is not far-fetched. But this kind of thinking has been characteristic of everyone, every single one of us. We have sometimes reflected more than Jim did upon the consequences, but there was always the curious mental phenomenon that parallel with our sound reasoning that inevitably ran insane, insanely trivial excuse for taking the first drink. Our sound reasoning failed to hold us in check. The insane idea won out. Next day, we would ask ourselves, in all earnestness and sincerity, how could it have happened? In some circumstances, we have gone out deliberately to get drunk, feeling ourselves justified by the nervousness, anger, worry, depression, jealousy, or the like. But even in this type of beginning, we are obliged to admit that our justification for a spree was insanely insufficient in the light of what always happened. We now see that when we began to drink deliberately instead of casually, there was little serious or effective thought during the period of premeditation of what the terrific consequences might be. That's it. Thanks. Well, Paula, Paula, welcome everyone. Um, see, this makes total sense from and I, another idea, which is that something has taken us over. So all the confusion of why we can't stop or why do we keep doing this over and over again is because we're overpowered. Yeah, like the old story we use here, which is you're dancing with a gorilla, but really you're dancing as the gorilla and you're going to stop when the gorilla wants to stop. To me, the greatest clarity to all that was confusing, divergent uh, uh, conditions where I can sincerely, sincerely not want to drink and yet keep drinking is that I've been taken over, that something foreign in me is living its own agenda through me. And it's disguising itself as me so that he can further its agenda. And it uses the mental state to reinforce the idea that we are the parasite, let's say. There's not a parasite, it's a parasitical movement. But let's use the, the, the imagery of parasite. We are, we are identified as the parasite. So when push comes to shove, we're gonna do what it wants to do, especially concerning its food, its fuel. So it wants to drink or use because it sort of enlarges itself. It, 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 it gets its, it gets 
engorged. It gets big when it's drinking and using. And therefore it's more flamboyant and can be more expressive. And it can end up with us in a 30 year prison sentence or you know, totally disabled by getting run over by a car or other things. So all these confusing, why, why, why? All of that was muted by the recognition that self is what has defeated us and I'm not self. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's every time I read or someone reads anything out of this book, it just rings that bell. Yeah, it's, you know, because it sounds like, uh, you know, one more, it's a nice way to begin because this is really an ending of untreated alcoholism. One more uh, journey to the asylum. That's not the beginning of the story. The story was this guy, Jim, was taken over. Yeah. And many, many times he was led to incomprehensible demoralization, pitiful demoralization. And sometimes it appeared as going to the asylum. Yeah. But that's not the beginning. That was the end result of him being completely entranced by the thought system and believing a lot of false evidence and living as if they appeared to be real. So, uh, yeah, here was the threat of commitment, the loss of family and position, to say nothing of that intense mental and physical suffering, which drinking always caused them. Yeah, so obviously it's not, we're not convinced by logic or by consequences because we don't need to be convinced. Something has to be weakened in us. The parasite, yes? The program weakens it. That's why the program doesn't fit our logic. Because if it did, it would reinforce the problem more and more. The whole intent of recovery is a spiritual awakening. And you could say that's more of an awakening to the infinite than to the finite self. Yeah, and the finite self is representative of that parasitical movement. So I'm not, a, I'm not uh, surprised at all about people's behavior. I'm not anymore, you know? I mean, I've seen the beast and, uh, you know, I'm almost feel an inevitability unless there's some, uh, something's going to happen to that person or some injection of willingness through some traumatic event or something. I'm, I'm uh, faced with an emotional sense of frustration or disappointment in the inevitability of what's gonna happen to Fred and Jim and Bill and Mary, because I've seen it all before and I've lived under it, yeah. Unless we re don't recognize that there's something foreigner in us, we're gonna try to be free as it, yeah? And that's the bondage of self because the freedom is from it, yeah? Please relieve me, please relieve us of this bondage of self. What is that bondage of self? It must be, we are something other than that and we're bound to it through the act of being identified as it, yeah? That's what we're asking for relief from, is that identification as self, because self is foreign to us. I don't, you know, that's the fundamental uh, point I share, I'm trying to bring here over every week, and I'll do it for year after year after year, it seems, because I've been convinced that this is the root of the problem. Yeah. And I'm open to have, you know, someone suggest or reveal another root of the problem. And I gladly admit a misunderstanding, but that hasn't happened. Yeah. And by the relief, I know the fucking truth. I know the tree. Yeah. By the fruit. And uh, something has done for me what I couldn't do for myself. And something stopped that which was doing a lot of shit I would never have done through me, which was that sense of self. So yes, yeah. That unsuspecting inner resource is only unsuspecting when we're dominated by self. 
when that weakens, the unsuspected inner resource becomes the most intimate event of living here. You sense the presence of a power that doesn't take a human form. It can come through a human form, but it's not of a form. Yeah. And it, it is of a spiritual nature. It doesn't start in Idaho and end up in Nebraska. It's here, always available at all times, right where we are. And the only dilemma about that access is our requirements and conditions that we believe are between me and it. And I don't believe there's anything between me and it, seriously. So the higher power of my own understanding has turned into a higher power of its own understanding. And what it tells me is it's always available at all times, right where I am, with no requirement necessary to meet it. Yeah, that for me is reliability. And, uh, you know, yeah, all this stuff you gotta do. Yeah, there's a lot of action in the steps and everything. But for me, the spirit in doing it all Actually, the doing it all opened me up to see the spirit of it all, which is that there, there is us and then there is this activity of self. And that is what is defeating us. We do an inventory on self's manifestations in our life. You may do an inventory on what you call yours, but basically you're going to see a lot of your manifestations are really self's manifestations. And then you can travel lighter through your manifestations <laughs> because they're not. Yeah. So, yeah, I could read on, but, you know, our behavior is as absurd and incomprehensible with respect to the first drink as that of an individual with a passion, say, for jaywalking. Yeah, it goes to it in such an extreme example because we're befuddled. We don't realize something's calling the shots and it's not us it's a stubborn uh part of this programming that's been infected by this parasite is that i'm the doer of all things that are done through me i'm the one who chooses that there's always volition in it and will in it and this the absurdity of holding on to those beliefs in front of all this evidence that something has overpowered you is what's so befuddling and incomprehensible and so confusing because you're you're trying to figure it out from a wrong point of view. Yeah, if you could see it's not you, then it makes sense. Hey, you know, if someone who's stronger than me is holding me down, I'm not getting up. Yeah, I want to get up. I'm willing to get up, but I'm not getting up. Why? Because some, not because Hey, why am I not getting up? I want to get up. Something stronger than me is holding me down. So I need to find something stronger than that which is holding me down, which is what the program provides. Trusting infinite rather than finite self. Yeah. Being uplifted by the infinite or being held down by the self. Yeah. And you can tell the difference through that journey from bondage of self to trusting the infinite. It's much more, you know, you have, you know, there's a famous saying now concerning that what happened in America with these people dying under uh, police supervision, so to speak, which is I can't breathe. Isn't that the feeling of fucking active alcoholism? I can't fucking breathe, you know? Something's on me. And the way it stays on me is I call it me. Yeah, this is what we're attempting to bring into this situation that we all share as addicts or recovering addicts. Yeah, is to recognize the nature of the wrong is other. Yeah, it's not of us. It's in us, but it's not of us. Yeah. It masquerades as us, but it is not of us. It tells us it's us, but it's not of us. Yeah. It needs us more than we ever need it. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> we're the 
where the feast that it's feasting on, it's pretty damn barren and empty, but in empty in a very, very ugly manner. Yeah, so, yeah. That's what I hope through all the yapping and everything it gets through. The simple idea that being convinced self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us and to really emphasize the huge gulf, the huge space between us and self, yeah? Because that's where the freedom lies in us and the bondage lies in self, yeah? So thanks. Thanks, Paul. Um, can't see any hands up. I've got a question. And it is, uh, can you explain how the self gets the bonding, uh, aka the glue that the mental state uses to get so that that so-called bond? Yes, it uses the thought system. It uses memories. It uses perceptions to sort of convince us of a lot of false evidence. And when we're convinced, it appears real to us. And therefore, we react to false evidence as if it's real. And then it's, it becomes more and more confusing when we're flipping out about next week and it's overriding our experience of today. Yeah. So that's how it is. It's it's. The problem resides in the mind and it's an activity. It's not a thing. It's an activity I like to call selfing, which is if you listen to the thoughts, not as yours, just the thoughts. The thoughts assume a lot of stuff. The thoughts assume that there was a Paul as a body. There is a Paul as a body and there's going to be a Paul as a body. It sees us as the doer of everything. Therefore, when something takes us over, it still uses the same programming. Well, I did it. So now a lot of people are walking around with a huge amount of guilt and shame based on them being the doer of shit they had nothing to do with. They were taken over by the gorilla, and now they're feeling incredibly guilty and shameful for what the gorilla did. Instead of having real re uh, freedom from that guilt and shame by seeing you're not the gorilla. So yes, it's the mental activities that reinforce this idea. Memory, perceptual interpretation, thoughts, feelings being interpreted, because most people don't even know what they're really feeling. They sometimes make the mistake anxiety for excitement or excitement for anxiety. It's, so we're really, in some ways, really out to lunch. So. And I don't believe the emphasis on fear is really uh, precise. I think it's mostly mental anxiety that mimics the feeling of fear. Yeah, that's what, that's what uh, triggers that reaction of what we would call a fearful reaction, but it's not an apparent threat that's in front of us. It's manufactured in the head. Yeah, so there, that's where the activity lies. You're believing the thoughts to such a point you think they're yours. Somehow you're the one who having it. So what happens if something wanted to invade your territory? It could just invade your territory through thoughts because you, you would keep calling them yours. No matter how fucking crazy they are or foreign, because of the stubbornness of the underlying program, whatever thoughts would show up, you would keep calling them yours. When in most cases, after you've been introduced to the we of this recovery system, you see that they were actually alcoholic thoughts, that a lot of other people share the same kind of thoughts. So uh, this whole sense of being a terminal, unique, individual, super unique, it is overridden by what takes us all over. Yeah, so basically, all these different Fords, all these different cars are basically the chassis of each car is the Ford. Yeah, it drives like a Ford, it smells like a Ford, it turns like a Ford. And in this case, something has taken over the fleet of Fords and takes us to the same three parking spaces. All the while having a story that we're doing it, <laughs> which is institution, jails and death. You know, there's a couple more parking spaces, but they're the basic ones. So, yeah. 
Can't you see that something is driving the boat? All the while you're wearing the captain uniform. <laughs> the captain thinks it's going to Hawaii and you're basically going down to Ecuador. You know, wait a minute, what's happening? I thought I was driving this boat. Well, there was your mistake. <laughs> yeah, you thought you were driving this boat. <laughs> yeah. So the relief that I've been the uh, I've had the privilege to enjoy really is based on that statement on page sixty-four. I saw self as other, or it was shown to me to be other. And the us was emphasized. And I saw that it was self that had defeated us, <laughs> not us defeating us. And uh, I could start recognizing thoughts as sort of foreign agents that were bringing me a lot of false evidence that were directing my behaviors. And so I would jackpot myself based on an assumption or a pres presumption that wasn't true, quite a lot. And so, you know, I got to see the gorilla dance steps and uh, thank God AA brought about uh, an access to an unsuspecting inner resource, the higher power, and the higher power changed that dance card, yeah? And it changed the dance steps, yeah? The gorilla was stepping all over me. It had about 80 thumps. Now the higher power limits it to about four or five that seemed to be quite inconsequential. Yeah, so there you go. I hope that the problem resides in the mind if you follow the book. Well, what's going on in what you call your mind? Mostly thoughts, yes, or a narration. That sounds like you. It's, it's sort of like uh, one of those nature shows and Richard Attenborough or someone is doing the narration. So it's sort of like, there you are, you're living your life and then there's some narration and it seems to sound like the voice that comes out of this body called Paul. So you think it's you talking about you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So trusting something infinite uh, is not rooted in faith and thoughts. Trusting the finite self is rooted in faith and thoughts, for sure. Yeah. You've got to believe a whole lot of shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes? Thank you, Paul. It's great. Thank you, just... Uh, just doing my best. <laughs> right. And uh, we've got Gabe with a question. Would you like to ask Paul? Sure, why not? My name's Gabe. I'm an alcoholic. Um, hey, Gabe. Yeah, I, know, I, I like what you were, you just said something uh, talking about, uh, you know, the pause or that, you know, that separation that happens, um, you know, which is almost like that's where the solution is, that pause before the first drink like it talks about. And I think like it's it's kind of a, a goes well with, like the analogy of like you know if I'm actually able to pause that means I'm kind of able to separate you know from this idea of me and whatever it's interacting with and able to kind of see that dialogue going on from like a third perspective instead of being caught up in the this is me having interaction with you it's like just getting that little pause of perspective and just seeing what's what's going on at that moment the very thing that I don't have when my mind flips and I find myself driving to the tenderloin or something like that, getting that little, that little space or what, you know, what hopefully eventually becomes more like a golf, you know, but I like that. Cause I mean, there's, you know, the, the problem is this identification with self and in that pause, they'd say the solution to the, to the, to the main issue of drinking and picking up that little bit of separation is just, anyway, I'm not sure if that's a question, but I, I like that analogy, you know, the, with the golf or that little bit of space well the point is going to grow in our lives yeah yeah so that that example of oh you know i was going to do something stupid and i didn't and 
when I didn't do that something stupid, there seemed to have been a pause. That pause sort of like, almost like molasses just spreads, yes? After a while. And more and more you're living from that pause. It's not an intervention in the interpretation you're living. You're living from the pause, yes? At some, in the early days, it's like an intervention of the interpretive story you're seemingly living. It's not living. Yeah, you're being fed, really. But then the pause actually becomes a much larger influence. Yeah, so you actually start before thought in, in the morning, not after thought. Yeah, it's not a new position. The afterthought was just a false evidence that you believe to be true. Now you don't believe it. So you're starting from where you've always really started from, which is a sense of being, <laughs> not a sense of thinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I feel the pause naturally, once it gets spilled into your life, it spreads. Yeah. <clears throat> My sense of it spreads. Yeah. And so what happens is when it comes. It basically is like a reclaiming of life in a sense. When it comes to the to the boundary of interpretation, it just sort of rolls over it, yeah? And then uh, you see things anew. The pause is really a free sample of, of uh, where timelessness and time meet, you know? It's a, yeah. It grows, so, but it's amazing when you finally, when I first was coming in and I realized uh, a lot of people thought like I did and I realized how could they be my thoughts if everyone has them. I had that lifting or that orbit moved out and then I could see that it wasn't me. While when the orbit is so close, I can't see it as not me, but then it moved out and I could see it's not me. And I got a sense of really living from what I was because I started recognizing all those mental moons that used to be called the planet Paul. I started seeing them and I started to feel better and more possibilities showed up in that space. Yes, I didn't have to do what I always did. Far out. What a great possibility because usually what I always did led me to being arrested. So it was great. And then life just started spinning on a different axis with a different rotation. And uh, a lot of things that used to be right on top of me got thrown out into the space. And then other things I was missing became quite noticeable, yeah. I could sense a presence. And, uh, you know, I had joy and a sense of belonging and purpose and all these things were starting to fill in that space that I used to try to cover up with a lot of drinking and drugs. And uh, yeah, yeah. The pause is, uh, I say the pause is really us, yeah, truly. Yeah, we don't come about, we are, yeah. We don't arrive, we're here, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? We're not in a process of becoming, we are, yeah. So how the poor sees to sneak up on you is because it never left, yeah. It's here, it's always here. And in a way, our attention and interest hasn't been. We've been there <laughs> in these mental theirs that are called here, yeah. These, what's going to happen, whatever. And uh, man, it's amazing how the wording is so beautiful in the big book where it talks about you'll be placed in a position of neutrality. That's a perfect description of, of it, I feel. Yeah, without any thought or effort. The problem will just not exist for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. These, I mean, they're incredible descriptions. Very, very, very uh, intimate effects, but very clearly described that we all seem to have shared going through recovery from alcoholism. So obviously there's been one blanket that affected all of us and that blanket has lifted. And therefore 
their take on relief is profoundly intimate with our experience of relief. After 70 years, they wrote, yeah, that's mind boggling, yeah, to me, yes? I mean, if you read the promises and then the 10 step promises, like, uh, you know, you'll, you'll cease fighting everything and every, all this shit becomes how, you know, what an incredible apt description. It's almost as if they were watching the progress of recovery that I went through. Like, I mean, they were right there writing it down. It's incredible. Yeah. So that lends itself to believing that we're all being relieved of the same activity, which is this selfing, this parasitical activity. Yeah. So that someone's relief from it will look very, very similar to my relief from it. Because the relief isn't based on this individual Paul, it's based on the commonality of the disease. Yeah. <laughs> like it's one activity that took us all over. So when we get relief, it's like everyone else who's got relief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it wasn't that some, it was more something lifted that was on top of all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, uh, I think the relief is the, the greatest, uh, you know, you know the problem from the solution, you do, yeah? So when you get relief from the problem, you know what the problem was and what, and what it ain't, and it ain't you, yeah? <laughs> it's not, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, to the court system, it's you, yeah? To maybe your wife or husband, it's you. Maybe even to your kids, it's you, but it's not you, yeah? Something actually took us over. And now it, now it hasn't. It's not taking us over. It's not taking us over now. In the present tense condition, we're freed of the bondage of self. It's not taking us over. But there is a memory block of memory where we were taken over by this. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> How could a crime committed by Stanley hold such sway over us for 30 years unless we're identified as Stanley? Yes. Literally, if we saw it with Stanley's, we would have gotten over the guilt and shame of what Stanley did much quicker than 30 fucking years later. Yeah. <laughs> it would be, yeah. The, <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be such a slow bleed. Yeah. Because you're not Stanley. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. So, yeah. I think he describes it beautifully on page 64. We're doing, a, we're doing an inventory on self's manifestations in our life. Why do you keep calling them yours? Yeah. I mean, I could see that you would enter the inventory process in step five with them as yours, but I hope you don't leave it. You may still feel like that, but I hope you have an understanding they're not yours. I mean, that's right out of the big book. I mean, it's not like an add-on. Yeah, it's right there. How can else can you read that? Being convinced, what? Self manifested in various ways. Okay, I'm convinced. Yeah has defeated us, right? So instead of being identified with self, I'm on the, in the us camp. So I'm now gonna look at the defeat differently. I'm not gonna look at I defeated myself. No, something foreign that's given the title self has defeated me. How? By its common, by all of its manifestations, but let's say they can be legion. So let's just look at the common ones. <laughs> Yeah, resentments, fear, harms done to others. Okay, let's start there. Do a simple inventory. See, quote unquote, your role in things. And then that allows you to see something else's role in things. Yes? Yeah. All right, I admit I did it. And then you find out you actually didn't do it. While you're trying not to admit you did it, you feel like you did it. <laughs> 
every fucking day when you're trying to say, I didn't do it, you know you did it. But when you finally admit, I did it, you it leads to you to realize, no, something else terribly influenced me, yeah? And now I'm not being influenced by that, yeah? So I am actually the living amend that I would like to make. I am the living amend because I'm not doing the same shit I used to do, yeah? Because I didn't, I don't believe it was me doing it, to tell you the truth. Yeah. I was led. I was driven. Yeah. I was used. Uh, you know, the factory that is Paul Hediment was used to manufacture misery. You're not going to fucking uh, convince me it's mine. You're not. I don't see it that way. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think. Uh, Bill W. got a got a glimpse of a lot of stuff in a calm pond. He didn't see everything. Yeah, there was still an identification as self shown in the Big Book. We manufacture our own misery. Do you really believe that? Do you believe you manufacture your own misery? I don't. I don't believe that at all. Yeah, that you know. I am the problem. I don't see that either. Yeah. I could see that you could say if you had a virus, let's say, or a flu for five, eight years, you could come, you know, through the longevity, you would say, oh, I'm the problem. But it's still a flu. It's still something foreign to you. Yeah. So where would the relief be in seeing that it's not you, obviously? Because if you keep calling it you, you're going to be bound to be taken over by it, obviously. That's its access. Through the act of identification, it accesses our control panel, and it starts running the show. Yeah. So how not, you know, if it's already in the control room, then you need a lot of skillful means. But when it's outside the control room, how do you keep it outside of the control room? You don't. There's a recognizing it's not you, yeah? That's coming from the point of view of the higher power. So you see it is not you. So now it doesn't have access to the control room, yeah? It can't fucking fly the plane. Hallelujah. <laughs> but if you keep, if it knocks, which it will, and you call it you, it's in the control room again, yeah? It snuck in, yeah, in, in plain sight. <laughs> and then suddenly my recovery seems to be going bad or sour or shit like that. Yeah, because the problem's taking it over. <laughs> it doesn't want your recovery to succeed. <laughs> it's using a failed recover for it to recover control once again, yeah. And it wants to lead you to fuck it. So you'll do something like drink. And then the genie's out of the bottle and you live out its wishes. And its wishes aren't you getting a nice house in Malibu. <laughs> Probably won't go that way. <laughs> His wishes is you'll want to die and I'm not going to let you. I'm just going to keep dragging you into the next institution. Shit. It's amazing how much we can take. Really? Hmm. It's, uh, I, you know, I've had the experience lately with a family member who's had trouble with alcohol and stuff, alcoholism, and he started to drink again. We were staying in touch for last year, pretty much every day. He started to drink. I knew when he stopped calling that he had started to drink. And uh, how he was seeing things, I knew he was fucked. You know? He wasn't plugging into the community. He wasn't, you know, taking the, he was working out, building up his physique and shit. That's good. But he wasn't, service wasn't there and stuff. And I felt, you know, you, you know, like you can bring someone to water. You can't make them drink it. You can't, uh, you know, what's the best 
I find the tried and true method is fucking return to the bottom. You know, maybe this bottom will finally, you know, uh, break the, you know, the back of the camel, you know? Well, but it's, a, you know, if you have any like dog in the hunt with somebody, it's very, you know, it's, it produces a, a sadness about of the uh, uh, not admitting that you're outmatched, you know, hmm, well, what's good, what's one to do though? I don't know. Hey, call me when you, when you're interested in being sober, you know, because I don't, uh, you know, my feeling is alcoholism is like that big elephant in the room. I can't act as if, oh, that's a lovely curtain. Oh, you got some new lamps, you know. What about the fucking big elephant? <laughs> Just feels like, I, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. We're, should, you know, I hope, I know we all are incredibly grateful for the conditions we find ourselves in today. I mean, literally, it wouldn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be this way. It could be, yeah, like my nephew, it could be. So I'm incredibly grateful for, uh, for being in the habit of being sober, you know, really. So, because it makes everything so much easier. <laughs> I swear to God. I mean, I couldn't believe what it would be like you know, so I, I really like the quality of honoring and honoring, you know, some people gratitude, but there's an honoring of the message of, uh, and I just feel so, uh, you know, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, anyone else have a, a question or a share or something? No? Can't see any hands up, Paul. Anyone know, want to ask a question or have a share? If we don't have any, it'll be all right to stop, do our, you know, to stop early because the guy yeah. who's coming. Stop for food. So. <laughs> Nana, has Nana has a question. Fantastic. Yeah. Hey, hey, family. Hi, Nan, grateful alcoholic. So happy to be here. And uh, wow, Paul, that was, um, it's just so clear. And the repetition is the mother of skill, repeating the same, you know, just the, the truth. And I, and it's, uh, the spirit is speaking truth through you. Um, I was, uh, it's sort of a question, but a comment. The pause, um, as you were sharing about the pause and, and others, uh, I, I was just, again, you know, that grace, there's a grace in the pause, or maybe the pause is the grace, I don't know. Uh, and it doesn't matter, but that word grace. And uh, you're just sharing about, um, I guess, your nephew and, you know, this self, this foreign pathogen before it breaks, uh, going from, and the course talks about going from suspicious to absolutely vicious, and then the breaking, and then the grace, so to speak. And that was coming to me. And by the way, when you were talking in, about the plane, the second you said it, I had this huge plane go over me. <laughs> it's sort of trippy. Uh, but anyway, that that's my share. And uh, thank you. Thank you all. Blessings on everyone's head. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Nan. Right. I can't see any more hands up. Do you want to uh, wrap it up, Paul? Uh, yeah. I just... Uh... 
these Zooms have turned into an incredible vehicle. So it's very nice to see how we all can be driven by something other than the head. Yes. So, yeah, I'm a, that's how I picture everything here. I really feel something took me over and now nothing has taken me over in a spirit in a sense. And for all the troubles or awkwardness of living a day at a time on the surface, the underlying is uh, so still and huge. So uh, that's the fear. That's where you used to have the fear I did of drowning, but that's actually the greatest resuscitation dropping down in there. Yeah. So <clears throat> I see it demonstrating in these zooms. It's very powerful and digging it. And I always see it demonstrating because uh, none of us have any idea. We just show up here and then uh, something has its way with us for an hour, hour and a half. And we, a lot of us are much better for it. Yeah. Isn't that really uh, the description of a surrendering or turning your will and life over to the care of something else? Haven't, aren't we doing that through this Zoom right now? And to feel, for some of us, it seems obvious, uh, the virtue of that, yeah? Because admitting that the glasses that I have grown into are myopic, I can't really see much, but I think I know a lot, yeah? The, uh, what has, the sight that has been given to me is so much. It's unbelievable, really. Yeah. 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 So thanks, everyone, for participating. Looking forward to seeing you all again. Uh, we'll be here Saturday live, uh, the non-duality thing at 1.30 in St. Andrews in Marin City. Uh, we're going to change that sometime, but not yet. Uh, and then 1.30 will be Zoom. And then the Tuesday, Thursdays will continue. There is something on the website that's now canceled. The third Tuesday of the month at nine in the morning is done because that group that set that up is kaput. They've, uh, they've disbanded. So we won't be doing that. Maybe we'll make one up ourselves. Yeah, that could be good. But yeah, actually, maybe I will. I'll continue. So, and yet we also have a Tuesday at 4.30 Pacific time that we will put back up. It's not up there that we do a non-duality talk for a, a, a group that I don't have an outside opinion of called Awakening Together, but they give me a platform and we're out there, you know, like a termite eroding their platform. So <laughs> they seem to be liking it. So we'll continue. So yeah, that we'll try to make clearer, but that's every, that's every Tuesday, 4.30 Pacific time. Uh, I think there's a different Zoom. So uh, we'll put that back up when Mike gets home, the IT guy. All right, thanks everyone. Such a pleasure to see you all. See you, I'll say goodbye. Joseph, nice to see you. Stefan, on having never left, always a pleasure. Alex in the Hudson Valley, I think. Beautiful day there. I know what I know that East Coast nice day. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We've got Walter from the Netherlands. He's from somewhere else, also. He's in the Netherlands, but he's definitely from somewhere else. Yeah. We got Kurt, Redondo Beach. Yes. We got Jackie. Nice to see you, Jackie. We got Roman from Germany. Always a pleasure. A great supporter of Zen Bitch Slap. Tommy, he's got a lighter color screen today. Nice to see you, Tommy. Jacob from Seattle. Yes. Remember, Jacob, you're not taking care of anybody. Something comes through and takes care of them. Yes. Yeah. We got, uh, let's see. We got Marty, Marty T. Nice to see you, Marty, again. Carrie from Hawaii. Just talked to Hawaii last night. Hallelujah. 
Vanessa from the UK did a great job once again. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we have Paul. Okay, now he's cool. bringing out the, the t-shirts. I'm not wearing, I'm, I'm wearing a button down today. Yeah. Game's Thank not you. on yet. Yes. yes. <laughs> we got Bo. Bo's from the East Coast, Pennsylvania. Yes, Bo? Yes. Nice to see you. Mickey from Madeira. Always a pleasure. We got Nan, formerly and truly known as Nanette. There she is. She's in the wildlife there. Nice to see you, Nanette. Thank you. Steve from the UK. Nice to see you, Steve. Uh, let me see. We've got Nina, uh, one of my favorite characters. We got Owen. Owen is uh, going to go into a test to see how much. Is he truly 100%? I don't know. There's been some doubts have been spread. We're sending you a kit. Yeah. Yeah. Don't fucking fool around with the results. We got Mike O. Nice to see you, Mike, again. James Lebowski. Looks like he needs to do some cleaning today in his room. It's okay. It's just signifying how messy his head may be. What? No. We got Leah. Always a pleasure. We got uh, Michael Stacy. He's, a, he's a, the mainstay of Madeira. We got Kaiser in Minnesota. He's got his overalls on. Yeah. Hopefully he's not cutting up any bodies. No, hopefully not. Oh, that's good. Yeah. We got Zoe. Zoe made a, a guest appearance. Zoe was a regular on our little syndicated show. And uh, she's gone. She's gone on to bigger and better things, but she makes a guest appearance every once in a while. Nice to see you, Zoe. Yeah, your your square will always be there. Yeah, anytime, anytime you want it. Oh, we got Amy. Amy from Seattle. She's in the middle of the road. I'm a little worried. Yeah, around the bend. Nice to see you. We got Terry from Maine. A great new addition. Yeah. Leah. I said hello to Leah. Yes. Leah's back in her, her natural posture, which is horizontal. It's good. Uh, let's see who else. Maggie and Rich A. And some phone numbers. Oliver from Berlin. Tanya C. I have to call somebody. I think it may be Tanya. Yeah. Today. I will. All right. Thanks, guys. I'll see you soon, I hope. What a pleasure. Yeah.